Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Tarot No Questions Asked, Master in the Art of Intuitive Reading. And I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 200 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Hoodoo, Tarot, and the Black American Experience. And my special guest is David Davis of Porous Palms. Welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'm very glad that you are here. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. So we're certainly not going to be a bite-sized episode. This is going to be a full meal, is what I want to say. <laughs> we've got a <laughs> and the first thing I want to talk about, um, you know, you had suggested this is a topic, and I think this is a great topic. Um, I want to talk about hoodoo. And mm-hmm. I'd love it if you could explain to my listeners what hoodoo is exactly. Right. So who do the, the, there are several terms either for it or related to it and different people have not necessarily different uh, definitions, but different ways and ideas of how those terms relate to one another. Um, my understanding of it is hoodoo is a culture, right? So it's not a specific practice per se, but hoodoo is a culture, specifically the culture of um African-Americans, specifically um, African-Americans as their experiences were in the American South. And obviously they migrated all over the place. My ancestors, you know, from the South, all over the North and Midwest and West, et cetera. So that culture spread and that's how, you know, people in Michigan end up with this uh, information. Um, with under that umbrella of hoodoo culture, there are different aspects of it. Again, this is just my understanding. There's the, the root work aspect of it, which is the more medicinal, more um, tangible element of it. So, you know, you go to a root worker if you have a headache and there, if you, if something needs to be healed physically. Then there's the conjure aspect of it, which is the magical aspect of it. So it's exactly what it sounds like, working with the spirits of place, of, you know, plants, animals, you know, water, dirt etc and sort of conjuring those and working with those and and you're bringing those two aspects together the sort of the the medicinal and the spiritual aspects to sort of change and 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 heal the human condition and then best ways that you that you can as as a worker so what are some of the common misconceptions about hoodoo i mean i know that people will hear that word sometimes and they're like oh my god is that something you know devilish or negative you know so what are some of the common misconceptions and how can you dispel those um, well, the first one, like you just said, that it is that it's something um, dark and and not that there's anything inherently wrong with dark or quote unquote left handed work, but we'll get into that later. But, you know, that it's inherently dark and evil and that it's people, you know, in the woods drinking baby blood and, you know, stuff, you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's definitely not that. Um, again, not to get too far ahead of myself, it does uh, address the human condition and all of its highs and lows. So there are some things that visually may be a bit off-putting or conceptually may be a bit off-putting from an outside perspective, but it's necessary. Um, that it's, you know, evil, that it's inherently dark, that it's, that it's backwards. Um, a lot of folk traditions are seen as, you know, they're, they're superstitions, they're, they're backwards, they don't make any sense. It's just a bunch of weird stuff that uh, people just made up. And that's not, you, you know, from my modern perspective, there are some superstitions involved in it, but it, it's, it's a very, um, it's very literal in a lot of ways. It's very practical and it's very hands-on. And it just, it just, to me, it just makes sense. 
um, some of the remedies for different things and some of the rationales behind those remedies. So it's not this backwards, evil, um, sort of unscientific approach to life. It's actually very practical, very helpful, and, and very balanced. I'm not going to call it good in life, but it's, it's balanced. I think in a way it's kind of neutral, you know, like tarot. Yeah. I mean, there are yes. people who have the same misconceptions about tarot. They think, oh my God, you read tarot, that's so evil. And it's like, well, that's 78 paper <laughs> cards. It comes right. down to your intention. There's nothing inherently evil. Tarot cards are actually very neutral. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, they show also the human condition. And mm-hmm. so when you're talking about hoodoo and, you know, the human condition, tarot is very much the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd like to use it as a segue into talking about tarot. And how you feel it relates to the African American experience, both past, both past and present. What is tarot? How does it speak of, of that for you? Um, so I was, I, I oftentimes sit around and, and talk to myself, and that's where a lot of my you know Instagram captions come from, just conversations I've had with myself. And I was I was playing around with this analogy of you know. Tarot is really any kind of divination, but tarot is, it's a lens, right? That's all it is. When when left on a table, it's just a lens for you through which you can see the world and, and conceptualize the world. And I, you know, I was thinking if you put, you know, me and a biologist in the same room and gave us the same microscope with the same sample underneath it, because we have two different worldviews, two different types of education, two different levels of education, two different contexts in which we've been conditioned to see the world, we could both look at that exact same sample and walk away with two totally different impressions of it. And that's how I view spirituality, any kind of divination, but sort of narrowing it down to tarot, that's how I view tarot in relation to the Black experience. Um, you know, this this sort of, this relatively new idea, and I don't, you know, I might use the word or the term new age a lot. I don't have anything inherently against that movement or that sphere, but I just sort of use it in contrast to, in this sort of new age movement, this idea of spirituality being a form of being a, a, a sort of a, a, a gateway to like the mystical experience. It's meditation, it's inner uh, uh, searching, it's shadow work, it's enlightenment, it's all of those things. And those things are great. And I love how in, in recent times, those things have slowly started to be integrated into different folk magic traditions, including Hoodoo. But that that is not what it traditionally was. Like I said, it was about addressing and affecting the human condition. So this idea of of tarot being just like a a tool for meditation, right? Pick a card of the day and you meditate on it. And it's just like, um, how do I embody the high priestess today? That's not what that was about uh, originally. It was like, here's this card and this card is paired with an action. It's paired with something to look out for. It's paired with something to do. Um, So while I do love the, the sort of spiritual exercises of the the contemporary age i I very much enjoy the the action oriented goal oriented um sort of tradition of it so relating that to the black experience and to the analogy of the two people same microscope two totally different impressions it's no secret different groups of people in america have had to have had different sets of obstacles placed in front of them for a variety of different reasons and hoodoo being the inherently rebellious inherently political um system that it is culture that it is it had to sort of work within the confines of what black 
folks in America could and could not do. The legal uh, obstacles, the financial obstacles, the social obstacles, et cetera. So you would you you go and get this reading, some of the the, the things that we may look back on today. Um, for example, you know, the idea of, of love work, going to get a reading done for someone because you feel as though um, you, your, your husband is cheating on you or you feel as though someone else is trying to, you know, sneak up on your husband. We look at that today and, and we're, and, and, and it's very important to them, right? They're like, I need this to stop. I need my husband to stay with me, blah, 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 blah. We look at that today and we're like, there are a variety of things wrong with that. A, why are we perpetuating this system where, you know, women need to be taken care of by their husbands? B, if he doesn't want you to be, if he doesn't want you leave, it's like, you know, all this sort of modern conceptions of things, but those were, you know, you're living in a very different time where there was the idea, the idea of a breadwinner was very mainstream, right? There wasn't this, this idea of, unfortunately, I'm not condoning it, but unfortunately there wasn't this idea of sort of people, everyone being able to work and stuff like that. So if some other woman was coming in trying to steal your husband, she wasn't just stealing your husband. She was stealing food off your table and food yes. out of your kids' mouths because who was going to bring, who was going to bring the money home from work. So that's why that was so important to go get that reading when that, that reader would tell you he's cheating. And that's why you're like this. I need you to burn that candle on him or do I need you to do something because like, I, I can't have him leave. Not because I love him, but because I like, I need like my livelihood to become a black woman in America. And this specific example, I can't, I, I need this 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 security. So that's just like one example of a way that one how the sort of modern lens can kind of skew our understanding of why people thought the way they thought and why people did the things they did, but also how action and divination was very important, or how action stemming from divination was very important. It's always been very important in the, the sort of Black American experience. Well, you know, you brought up uh, something that I never thought about um, because, you know, I'm one of those people that I think, well, if somebody's acting like a jerk, get rid of them. But I I am not thinking about from the roots of the past on how different relationships were. So that's actually Mm -hmm. a very excellent point for modern readers to consider when people are coming to you with those situations, because it's very easy to judge and say, oh, my God, why is she so hung up on this jerk, you know? So that's a great point. Now, you also brought up about divination. And divination, I love what you had to say here. You know, there's a lot of modern readers uh, who want to talk about tarot for meditation or therapy, uh, which I respect all of that. I'm into Mm -hmm. it. But I'm an old school reader. I do divination. And divination is very frowned upon. Every so often I come across somebody who is like, divination, it's BS, you can't predict the future. And they're looking at it from this very... I almost want to say like an overly intellectualized way of dealing with tarot where I I, I mean, and that's not how I read. I've always read from a divination perspective. So what do you say to people who look at divination? Like this is bogus that we should all be doing this for therapy and things like higher mind. Um, (laughs) To try to cut the conversation, depending on who it is to try to cut the conversation short, I would just say whatever works for you works for you. If you, you don't, if you don't feel as though you need, tarot or playing cards or Lenormand cards or bones, whatever, to get you through your day-to-day, by all means. I'm, I'm happy for you. More power to you. But um, I don't even, to be honest, outside of that, I don't even know, to be honest, how I would respond to that because it, it, I've, never, I've never encountered that. 
I knew it was a, a conversation that's been happening in my periphery, but I guess the sort of circle I work and, and socialize in, it's it's not something that's frowned upon. So it's not something I've actively thought about. Like, how would I respond? Much like how I, I oftentimes think about how I would respond to like a, a, a sort of a love and light person. I think about those often because I come in contact with those a lot more often, but I don't, I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm stumped. <laughs> well, I've come across plenty of them. So, I mean, in my, I've been doing this a long time and I've come across plenty that, you know, have an anti-divination bias. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, it, 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 people have been trying to divine the future since the beginning of time. Right. You know, since we first were able to get up on our two feet, we have been trying to figure out what is what is happening, what is possible, and what is our future. So I see divination as something that's actually very like like the way you describe hoodoo as being very practical. I see mm-hmm. divination also like you. It's very practical. It's helpful if you know what's coming. You have a much better perspective on taking action. Yeah. So and not everything to... can be changed. I'm sorry, not to. Oh no, go right ahead. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's this this idea, you know, divination. It can do one of two things. It it could, it shows you the future as it exists in this current moment. I don't necessarily believe the future is this thing that's set in stone. It shows you the future right. as it exists with all the current factors. Um, but it could either show you how to avoid something, but some things are just unavoidable. So mm-hmm. it shows you, like you were saying, how to prepare for it. So you're you're going to come up across that moment in your life where you know. Not everyone, but just if I was doing a random reading, you know, that moment in your life where your finances might not be as tight as they need to be. So what you can do for that, you can't avoid that. So what you can do to prepare for that is just save everything you can now. So then when you come up to that moment, it's not like a, what do I do? You know, I didn't know this was coming or I thought I could avoid it. No, you couldn't. I told you you couldn't. So you should just just say, you know, just save everything you can now. (laughs) Right. And it's very, again, you're giving a great example of how practical mm-hmm. divination could be and you mentioned the love and light thing and i was i was gonna wait a little bit later but i want to talk about that now because i think mm-hmm. this is a great topic to talk about because oftentimes when i come across people who really do the love and light thing these are sometimes people who are very much anti-divination and they believe that you can manifest whatever future you want that all you got to do is think positive and if your future is terrible if things are not going well somehow You've created this, you brought it upon yourself, and you just got to throw love and light at it. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, you know, I'm not, just to keep it frank, I'm not into it. Um, but I, I, one, I just don't think it, it works. It, it, I, I don't think it works. There are plenty of situations where through divination, you find, because that's another thing about, this this spiritual practice there isn't because it is all about balance and because you are consulting a higher power you're consulting your ancestors you're consulting you know the divine whatever you want to call it um depending on your language you you're you're divining for first you're consulting with them to see if it's something that needs to be done or for something they can don't right so if they tell you ignore it or change your thinking or you know maybe it does need a little bit of tenderness then you work within that but if they're saying you need to do some domination work, you need to do some hex reversal, you need to, you know, go bury somebody at the crossroads, like you, not physically, but like, you know, an effigy or something, um, then, <laughs> then um, you, you do that, right? And every situation calls for something different. 
think about it from a medicinal perspective. Some things, all you do, if you're if you're sick with uh, very specific things, sometimes all you need to do is rest and drink fluids and maybe take like a a little tablet you could buy from CVS. But sometimes we need very invasive, very bloody, very you know, just very dramatic surgery, right? Not every, every life is not a one size fits all concept or, or space. So different things call for different um, remedies. I would love to live in a world where all I had to do was just like change my thinking and be very tender with everything in order for everything to be perfect. But unfortunately, especially for marginalized groups of people, that is not that that has never been the case. Um, so I guess that's what I would have to say about it. Just check your biases, um, check your privilege. If you're in a position where you are privileged enough to just rest through the storm and just sort of meditate it away and pray it away, then good for you. I don't want to take that from you. I just don't want you to impose that on me because that might not work for me in this situation. Right on. And, you know, I'm a big believer in positive thinking, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not downing that. I'm all about positive yeah. thinking. But you can't just meditate or pray your way out of some situations. Sometimes right. you need to ask for help or sometimes you need other types of spiritual support. It isn't always just a matter of I'm going to think a positive thought. and Now I'm no longer poor. You know, it doesn't work right. like that. Right. You know, and, and as somebody who has struggled with times of great poverty in my life, I know that it wasn't just sitting around meditating that got me out of that situation. It was a lot of hard work and support along the way. So I'm very cognizant of that. So I, I, I have issues with the toxic, I call it toxic positivity because it just doesn't always work. And just, I think also telling people that, well, you know, um, your negative thinking got you into that. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense because for example, um, nobody negatively thinks their way into giving their child cancer, you know? So it doesn't make any sense to me that that is just a very, um, I I, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a thing that does more harm than good. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it it helps anybody. So that's my thoughts on it. And, you know, again, positive thinking is great, but sometimes we need a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, So now the next thing I want to ask you about, because you're talking about, you know, tarot as, uh, and divination, as ways of taking action and hoodoo too. So how can hoodoo and tarot work together? How can um, they support each other? So tarot, the, um, so the way um, I briefly mentioned it uh, earlier, um, before you do any working, um, whether you're doing it for yourself or you're, or someone is having, or you're having someone else do it for you, there should always be divination first. Like that should always be the first step. Um, Cause not only will that tell you, if that thing needs to be done, if it should be done, but if the answer is yes, if you do need to do it, it'll tell you, or it could tell you how to do it. What specific points should you be focusing on, right? So if you are doing a, um, I, you know, I define in a number of different ways, but like I said, focusing on tarot, I, at the beginning of the new year, I did a handful of rituals, right? Mm -hmm. To sort of start the year off right energetically and to sort of thrust me into 2021 with, you know, on the right track for everything I want to accomplish this year. And that was preceded by a lot of divination, a lot of card pulls, a lot of wax reading, a lot of, you know, different kinds of, you know, card systems and trying to see, okay, I I know what I want to do. I've received sort of signs from elsewhere that this is what I need to be focusing on. But again, it's not a one size fits all. You, 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 you can't, if if I if someone were to be doing the same 
prosperity working for three different people, there might need to be specific herbs used on each of those candles and specific oils used on each of those candles because there might be specific blockages affecting each person. And that's where divination comes in. Someone's one person going back to the idea of thinking, um, one person's blockage may be mental. They might not think they are deserving of prosperity. So you put you, you do work centered around unblocking their mind. One person's blockage may be, um, sort of a location, right? They're not in the right state. You know, they do, they need to move to this state where their dreams can fully manifest. So what kind of work, what kind of road opening work, what kind of, you know, uh, property-based work can you do to make sure they can get a, a home somewhere else so they can afford to move to wherever they need to be for their dreams to manifest? Another person's blockage may be, you know, a relationship. So like, how do you cut and clear a person out of someone else's life so that they can have the room to grow. So that's the importance of like of divination as a as a prescriptive tool um, as well as a sort of a, a customizable a way to customize a spiritual experience to someone's very specific needs. So the other thing I want to ask you, you know, it's very interesting to me. Who is very interesting to me? I know that it's something to respect. It's definitely mm-hmm. something not to mess with if you don't know what you're doing. And you have to always work with somebody who understands everything about it. I would never mm-hmm. attempt to play around with it myself. Uh, I would be work if I wanted to work with Hoodoo, I would be certainly seeking out the services of someone who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people want to mess with stuff. And I think they mess with things they don't know and, and then they don't get the results or they get maybe results that they didn't expect. So right. I'm all about really seeking out, you know, seasoned practitioners that understand it. And I also think it's important too, when we get readings that we have readings with people who can really understand where we're coming from. That is also super important. And so I'd like to talk, I'd like to hear your thoughts about finding a reader who can empathize with you, especially one that understands your lived experience. You know, so what advice might you give someone about that, especially a black person when they're mm-hmm. seeking a reader? Um, one, the, huh. <laughs> do, do your research. Um, do your research first, um, just because someone looks like you does not necessarily mean they can automatically relate to you. And to to sort of add to that, just because someone looks like you does not mean they want to relate to you. People have different agendas. People have different ways that they want to engage, that they prefer to engage with the world. And that is their prerogative. If they want to sort of overlook certain things and, and, and zoom closer into certain things in their life, that's, that's totally up to them. But just assuming like, me as a, as a black man, if I were to be looking for a reader, uh, someone to get a reading done about a specific you know issue affecting me as a black man in this country, my, I would not automatically just jump on the first black or black male reader I found. I would do my research. I would look if they were on social media. For, I would look through their, their posts. I would go on their websites. I would reach out. I would ask them questions. Like, what's your view on this? What are your political views? What are your you know social views? What are your views? Because all of those things are important because People, we're all human, and you know all of the tarot books you read. They'll talk about bias, and, and and you know how it's important to keep those biases in check. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with bias. I think it's about how you engage with it as the reader and how self-aware you are. Bias is important because we all have it, so it's no there's it's, you're not doing anyone any good as a reader to pretend you don't have it. 
you need to be aware of the biases you have. You need to engage with them, ask yourself why you have them, and also ask, how can these be a benefit to the person sitting in front of me? Right. Because they may have the same biases. Right. So how can I be be sort of self-aware enough, I guess you would call that shadow work. How can I be self-aware enough of, of you know about how I view the world and my experiences in this world and how can I not pass the biases on, but pass the lessons that come with them or the lessons that stemmed from them. So I, I feel like just just do your research. Um, ask very mundane questions. Um, the the first question, and this is before the reading, this is why you're still doing the research process, ask very mundane questions. It does not have to be what deity is your patron and blah, 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 because none of that is important. Um, if you're getting a very practical reading done, if you're asking them to do a reading on what spirit is doing, what I guess that's, that matters. But if you're asking them, how do I go about applying for this job? How do I go about protecting my family? How do I, those mundane questions really matter. Um, that's totally true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I like to do when I'm looking for, I, I watch people on social media. I mean, that's how I learn mm-hmm. about a lot of people. Twitter's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And Twitter, you know, is where people oftentimes will really reveal things about themselves that they don't reveal yeah. anywhere else. Twitter's a place where you have a conversation. And that's where I mm-hmm. found some of the greatest readers. Um, you know, I had a reading with Sam Reynolds. I've had a couple readings with Sam Reynolds. He's an astrologer. And he is a black astrologer. And I followed Sam for quite a while. And his, his political insights really grabbed me. And I'm like, okay, now this is somebody that I can agree with and I like the way he approaches astrology. It's he's a very, very good astrologer. And so I've had a couple readings with him and they were great because I did the research. And I think mm. that's very important for people to realize when they're looking for a reader. So now I have to of course turn that around. So for you as a reader, you know, how does your lived experience, this will be our last question, how does that influence the way that you read? Um, so I jokingly, I was on Instagram live a few weeks ago and I was joking about how I read, I keep, you know, every morning I post Monday through Friday, I post on Instagram, like a daily card reading and I keep all of them. I write them in like a notes app. So I'm able to reflect on them and see if there are any patterns and stuff like that. It's sort of like a, a public tarot journal that I keep separate from my private one. Um, and I was joking that sometimes I read those back and I'm like, wow, who hurt you? Like, they, they sound kind of grumpy. They sound kind of um, very stern uh, father figure or uncle or something that's like, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, was, I was thinking where that came from. And the way I was raised, my parents always spoke to my sister and I very, in a very matter-of-fact way. Loving people, very kind people, but they never sugarcoated things for us. And they were always very blunt about here's what needs to be done. Here's what, here's what happened when I did it. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen to you, but here's what happened when I did it. So it was like this really nice mix of large concepts and principle and anecdotal, you know, evidence, if you will. And that's the, that's the sort of language I tap into and, or I find myself sort of unconsciously channeling when I read, because my reading style is very conversational. It is very like, um, I, I see this, and this is what this means in a very, in a very 
not literal way, but I guess going back using the word practical, here's what this means in a very practical way. Here's how you need to move in your day-to-day life to be able to sort of tap into this energy and do this, that, and the other. So I, I guess that's the largest way or the, uh, yeah, I guess the most influential part of, of how I read is just the language and the tones that I grew up with um, when I was being given advice and when I was being guided and stuff like that. So that's, um, I guess that's one thing. I'm, I'm big on stories, um, stories, mythology, folk tales. So I like to relate uh, different uh, things that I see in a reading to a, a scripture or a mythological tale or a folk tale I know about just to sort of help um, make it, I guess, tangible or re- more relatable for the person. Because it's one thing to talk about a large concept, you know, walk away from something that you've always known. Um, even if it's uncomfortable, that's a beautiful thing to tell someone. But what about the story of Moses, right? How he had to, he had this this life for himself in Egypt and he had to walk away once he found out his purpose had changed. And that I, I got that story from one of the decks I have, the Tarot of the Divine, that was their Eight of Cups. And I was like, that's a mech, that's a beautiful compare, especially someone like me who grew up watching the Prince of Egypt thousands of times. Like that was like an amazing <laughs> analogy or amazing connection to make so those i guess are the, those are the two main things like my my connection to storytelling um and just the way i was raised and the way i've been given advice growing up i think stories are amazing for helping to bring lessons to life mm-hmm. and i think it's a way for us to all connect uh, so mm-hmm. i i love stories also when i do readings with people that's awesome So this has been a fascinating conversation and I'm sure people are going to, my listeners are going to want to know, well, where can I connect with David? So David, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Um, the, the, the Porous Palms HQ is, um, where you can find everything. It's sort of the center of the web is, is porouspalms.com. So P-O-R-O-U-S-P-A-L-M-S.com. Um, and that's the, I'm all over the, the internet, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all the poorest palms. Um, so yeah, and I do, like I said, the, the daily card readings, I try to just be as engaging and down to earth as possible. And, and the platform overall is really just centered around the fact that I am a student. Um, and so it's it's about, it's, it, 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 it's a space where people can make mistakes and we can all sort of learn together and grow together. It's not this, uh, I'm not up on this pedestal where I'm teaching people things per se, but it's more so just like, here's my experience. Let me sort of relay that to you and we'll, we'll, I'll come, I'll, you know, come back and circle back to this six months later and I'll tell you whether or not it worked. So, um, or whether or not I fell flat on my face and, and we'll, we'll grow from there. So that's kind of what, that's sort of the mission statement, if you will. Well, I'm a perpetual student. You know, I mm. never like to say I'm a master of any of this. I am a perpetual student, and I've learned so much today from you. So I want to thank you for making time to talk to me today and to share your wisdom with my audience, David. Thank you. Thank you. All right, people, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book, other books, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and so many other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And don't forget, if you're digging the podcast, you can do me a favor. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to tarot 
fights. And by the way, if you're looking for another great listen, check out that Witch Life podcast. It's hosted by Courtney Weber, Kanani Soleil, and Hillary Whitmore. It's three best friends discussing witchcraft, magic, and all kinds of witchy goodness. It's available on all major podcast platforms, and they release new episodes every Monday. I was just on there recently, so you certainly want to go and check that out. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember, you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, well, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.